Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Hebrews. Hebrews, one of the letters in the New Testament. We're not particularly sure who wrote it. There are lots of guesses. And so we usually refer to the writer of that letter, that book, as the author of the book of Hebrews. It's in the New Testament. If you can find the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then Acts and Romans, and then Corinthians, and all those letters that start with, uh, that have vowels in them, keep on going until you get to uh, Timothy. You'll see that as you page along, and then Titus, and Philemon, and then you'll come to Hebrews. We're going to be reading from Hebrews chapter 5 today. Hebrews chapter 5. We'll read the first 10 verses in just a moment. Please join me in prayer. Through God's word, O Holy Spirit, bring us closer to our Savior. And in response, triune God, prompt our hearts to offer you sincere thanks for our salvation. In the strong name of Jesus, our Lord, amen. Hebrews chapter 5. Every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins, as well as for the sins of the people. And no one takes this honor on himself, but he receives it when called by God, just as Aaron was. In the same way, Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest. But God said to him, you are my son. Today I have become your father. And he says in another place, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When employers need to hire a new employee, they advertise the position online, in the newspaper, and they share the, word, the, the news by word of mouth. Usually, employers ask for a resume, things like details that are included on my resume, my education, my vision for ministry, my work experience, and other activities. After the deadline for applying has passed, employers start reviewing all of those resumes. They determine which applicants meet the job requirements, and they set aside those that don't meet them. 
They compare the remaining resumes to determine the best slate of candidates. Employers invite them to come for interviews. And finally, the employers make their choice. Offer the job, wait for an acceptance, and hire a new employee. Employers make a big effort to choose the very best person for the job. Here at Creston Church, we're right in the middle of this kind of process, discerning who to call as our next pastor. As it says in this past Friday's email, the search committee hopes to make their choice out of all the candidates later this spring. God is in the choosing business, too. Because of the sin of all humanity, including us, he chooses high priests who make it possible for his people to be able to approach him, a holy God. The preacher-author of Hebrews speaks of God's choice of high priest in chapter 5, using a writing technique called a chiasm, that's spelled C-H-I-A-S-M. And using the golden heart of a chiasm, and you, excuse me, usually that golden heart of a chiasm is found right in the middle of a piece of writing. So we'll continue to make our way, step by step, all the way to the middle golden spot, that golden center of the chiasm beginning by comparing the outer layers of today's text. While the Israelites were in the middle of the desert at Mount Sinai, God gave his people many instructions for personal life, for civil government, and for national worship. And already back then, God made it clear that the sin of the people could not go unpunished. A life must be sacrificed, not just once, but over and over and over as part of their worship practice. Every household needed to supply animals to be sacrificed at various times of the year on behalf of the human being's sin. But God was quite particular about how it was to be done. And who was to supervise those worship ceremonies? The supervisors of the Israelite worship were selected from a pool of candidates of human beings in order to represent God's people in worshiping him and offering a symbolic payment for their human sinfulness. This candidate group consisted of the descendants of Aaron, the high priest of the tribe of Levi, and those who were selected would serve as high priests down through the generations all throughout the Old Testament. These high priests were the official offerers of the people's sacrifice, as well as their many gifts and offerings. The high priests were the go-betweens, the mediators between God and his people. God did not permit his people to have direct access to his holiness. 
Aaron and his descendants, despite their special selection to serve as high priests, were not God's ultimate choice for the great high priest. They had one big flaw. They were sinners, just like all the rest of the people in the nation of Israel. Our preacher, author of the book of Hebrews, calls our attention to the fact that God's long-term plan for Israel has always been to choose a permanent high priest. The criteria still include someone who is a human being and familiar with human weakness and the struggles of temptation, making him a complete or perfect match to the rest of all humanity. In addition, the selection for great high priest is to be someone like Melchizedek, an ancient priest from the time of Abraham that's mentioned in Genesis chapter 14. The first name of the first part of his name, Melchizedek, you can say that with me, Melchizedek. The first part means my king, Melchizedek. And the second part, Zedek, means righteous. That is, my king is righteous. Melchizedek was a king of Salem at the time that Abraham defeated the forces of, this is another big name, Cater Lomer. And when Abraham returned from the northern part of Canaan, from that time of fighting, Melchizedek met him and offered him bread and wine. We are told that Melchizedek was a priest of God Most High, and that he blessed Abraham, and that he received a tenth of the spoils that Abraham had gathered while he was off to war. Melchizedek, as king-priest, was God's representative for he was king of righteousness, as his name implies. He was a king who established and promoted righteousness in his kingdom. He was king of Salem. And the word Salem means peace. Melchizedek is unique. He does not fit into those genealogies that are recorded in Genesis. He seems to belong to a different class. Melchizedek was the model for the great high priest. This great high priest serves as the eternal sinless source of salvation. This priest is the actual once for all time sacrifice for sin. This ultimate selection pool for an order of Melchizedek type of high priest is far more superior to the many descendants of Aaron's line. Old Testament high priests were expected to be of godly character and perform their jobs at a high level of pastoral sensitivity. They were the pastors of the people of Israel. They were gentle and caring in their ministry. Old Testament priests understood the struggles of the people and how hard it was for them to follow God's law. These priests were sinners, just like everyone else. 
They offered sacrifices for the millions of Israelites, and they even had to offer sacrifices for their own sin, too. Unlike the Old Testament high priests, the preacher describes Jesus as a much better person for the job of great high priest than any of Aaron's descendants. Throughout his 33 years on earth, he lived as the best pastor ever. Jesus prayed with great passion, not only for his people, but also for himself. He was confident that his father would empower him from being completely and forever destroyed by death. As the father's perfect and submissive son, he willingly became the sacrifice for the sin of all people. That experience of obedience and suffering made Jesus the best choice for the job of great high priest. It doesn't really matter how wonderful a resume might seem to be of any of the persons of Aaron's line. It doesn't really matter how wonderful a person's character is or how good of a job a person might do on the job. In order to serve as an Old Testament high priest, the ultimate requirement is that the calling comes from God. God establishes the criteria. God makes the decision. None of the high priests make a self-proclamation to that job. Being chosen as the next high priest was an honor that only came because of the guidelines set by God. Even though those Old Testament priests knew that they were imperfect in filling their office, they still considered their calling as ordained by God himself. With exactly the same attitude, Christ humbly answered God's calling to be the great high priest. He knew he fit all the requirements, but he humbly let God make the glorious declaration with God's word from Psalm 2, verse 7, You are my son. And in Psalm 110, You are a forever priest. You are a priest like that non-Israelite, Melchizedek. This is the golden center of the chiasm. God brings about his plan to completely atone for the sin of his people by choosing the right person for the job of great high priest. God's been working on this plan ever since Adam and Eve sinned. No one gets to intervene and upset God's plan for us. He's got the perfect person in mind, someone who is perfect, someone who is human, someone who is the best pastor, someone who is the complete sacrifice for sin, someone who is eternal, someone who is from an entirely different high priestly order, someone who is God's son, someone who is from God's line, someone who is the provider of eternal salvation. The right person for the job is Jesus Christ. The right person for the job is Christ, 
the anointed one, the sovereign God of the universe, chose Jesus Christ to be the great high priest for us, his needy people. Old Testament high priests and our great high priest, Jesus Christ, are not the only people that God calls. All of us, as God's servants, commit ourselves to be loyal to Jesus Christ as the only source of our salvation, as our perfect great high priest. All of us have been called by God, too. He gives us a wide variety of jobs of ministry to each of us in our own unique contexts. In one of my September encouragement emails, I listed almost 50 different types of ministry opportunities that all of us are engaged in here at Creston Church. We commit ourselves to Jesus Christ, our anointed Savior, the right person for the job of great high priest. We commit ourselves to the one who gives himself fully and totally on behalf of us before our God, the Father. May God enable each of us to be faithful in the calling that we have received from him. The season of Lent provides us with 50 days worth of opportunities to contemplate the astounding, complete, and perfect sacrifice of our great high priest. During these final two weeks of Lent, we can travel deeper and closer to the understanding of both the enormity of our sin and the completeness of the price that our Savior, High Priest Jesus, paid on our behalf. To him be all praise, together with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you've called us to be your children, to live our lives as a thank offering for giving your Son as the right person for the job of saving us from the eternal death sentence for our sin. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Enable us, by your Holy Spirit, to honor you at every moment and to point others to your saving love too. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.